Hello, I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Make It British podcast. Right, today I want to talk about the report that was published last week by the UK government that looked into the sustainability of the UK fashion industry. If you haven't had a chance to look at the report, um, I'd highly recommend it. It makes for a very, very interesting reading. It's quite a lengthy report. There's lots of evidence that has been provided by various different stakeholders. I will put a link to the report in the show notes, but I wanted to give you my thoughts on particularly the part of the report that covers the um, working conditions and the poor working conditions in some UK garment manufacturers. So to give you a little bit of a background on the report, so sometime last year, the UK government called for people to submit evidence regarding their thoughts on the sustainability of the UK fashion industry. So they looked into a variety of different topics and one of those was regarding the concerns over fast fashion and how that might be leading to poor working conditions in UK garment factories where workers were being paid way below the minimum wage and they wanted to find out if this was happening and why it was happening. Now, in particular, the report pointed the finger at Leicester, where there are over 700 textile companies and they're predominantly making for the, a lot of the UK's fast fashion retailers. Now, what the government did, they asked for 15 of the biggest UK fashion retailers to come in and give evidence. And that included ASOS, Marks and Spencers, Primark, Boohoo and Misguided. And a lot of people as well gave written, written evidence. Now, many of the retailers mentioned there, they do manufacture in some of the garment factories in Leicester in order to be able to deliver what's known as fast fashion, i.e. product that can be made to reach the customer in the shortest possible space of time. And it was these fast fashion retailers in particular that came under um, fire with this particular inquiry. And the interim results that were published last week named and shamed some of their practices. Now, when you watch back over some of the evidence and all of the evidence was recorded and is available um, to see, it is quite clear that some of the representatives from the retailers are squirming just a little bit when they are being questioned. Carol Kane, the CEO of Boohoo in particular, she was asked how they can produce a dress, make it in the UK for £5 when the minimum hourly wage is nearly eight. Um, so 
I will come on to discuss a little bit about my thoughts about that £5 dress. Whilst they come under fire, there were other retailers who were actually praised for their attempts to address sustainability in the UK fashion supply chain. So that included Marks and Spencers, Burberry and ASOS, who were one of the fast fashion retailers who were doing great things to try and address some of the issues. Now, what I thought particularly was really interesting from all the evidence, and I have been through all of it, was how little that actually was from the manufacturers and factories themselves, not just those in the UK, but also those in the in a worldwide supply chain. I think it was such a shame that they didn't ask more manufacturers to come in and give their thoughts. It's almost like they're their silence is taken as them being guilty. There was there was one written piece of evidence from one manufacturer in Leicester who said that he supplied people like Boohoo, Misguided and ASOS. But sadly, even that was written anonymously. Now, in, in the letter, I was going to say he there, it may have been a she, but in the letter written by the Leicester manufacturer, it says... We are constantly told to reduce our prices from these buyers. This is a top-down approach placed on us. The senior managers know that they can wipe their hands clean and place the blame on us, the suppliers, such as minimum wages, etc. It's the biggest elephant in the room. The largest CEOs and senior managers, they know the cost of clothing. They always know they can get away with it. Now, I have heard similar stories from many of the manufacturers that I've been to visit. They tell me stories of how the buyers, they come in and see them, they squeeze them on price again and again until they get to the point where they say, we're not prepared to make this product for any cheaper price. But then what happens is the buyer goes elsewhere. In Leicester, it's to one of the other 700 factories that are just down the road. But the problem is, if the factory loses that order, they they may go out of business because it completely kills their cash flow. So they're they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. It's a really vicious circle. and I really feel for a lot of these manufacturers. And the fact that none of them were invited to give evidence at this hearing is just so telling of the fashion industry as a whole. Manufacturers are more often not the unspoken voices in our industry. Whenever there is a big fashion event, how often are the manufacturers mentioned? Until we set up our Make It British live trade show, which was called Meet the Manufacturer, manufacturers, garment manufacturers, didn't even have a trade show to go to. There was nothing representing them. You've got campaigns like Fashion Revolution, which does ask brands to reveal who made their clothes and so brings manufacturers to the fore. And, and, and things like Fashion Revolution does mean we are making some progress, but just all too often manufacturers are the quiet ones in the fashion industry. But without them, we wouldn't have any clothes. So what is the solution here? How can these manufacturers have more of a voice? Firstly, I think there needs to be more transparency. Retailers need to be forced to be more transparent about their supply chains. Now, what was interesting that as part of the inquiry, ASOS have produced a list of every single one of the UK textile factories that they work with. And I think the other big retailers should be forced to do the same. Now, when Boohoo were asked to say who their factories were, they said they couldn't produce 
such a list because it would reveal the 60, no, 76 CMT units that they work with. And the most of those are in Leicester because they said that's their engine room. So that's their IP. They don't want to let their, their competitors know who it is that they're using to make their products. Misguided, on the other hand, since the inquiry, have cut out three quarters of the CMT units that they're working with in Leicester. And they've also joined the ETI, which is the Ethical Trading Initiative, to try and address working conditions in some of their factories. Thing is, I think if these retailers were forced to reveal who they're actually working with, it would expose any potential issues with any of the dodgy ones. And hopefully that would force the bad factories out of business. But it's only going to work if they all do it and if they all were forced to open up their supplier lists. It would also stop factories from being dominated by one big player. Because we all know that's a completely slippery slope. That's what happened last time round when people like M&S used to be the sole um, customer of some of these garment factories. And when M&S pulled their business out, the factories went under. And that is what we're in danger of happening again. These big online retailers are dominating these factories. They don't want to share them with anyone else. And then they decide if the factory won't go low enough on price that they're going to go elsewhere. It puts the factories out of business. So by revealing who they're all actually working with, it may make it much more open, more transparent. There'll be much more sharing of ideas and resources and, and of manufacturing bases. So another thing that came up from this inquiry was the fact that HMRC are actually turning a bit of a blind eye to what is going on. Now, they interviewed a journalist called Sarah O'Connor, from the Financial Times, and she wrote a very good article in 2018 about the practices going on at some of the factories, garment factories in the UK, particularly in Leicester. And she said when she was interviewed as part of this inquiry that much of the blame lies on HMRC. She said that enforcing the minimum wage should be entirely their responsibility. And yet of all of the instances where they have enforced minimum wage, and there was over like a quarter of a million of them, only 83 of those were related to textile workers in the last year. So HMRC are just giving this impression that they just don't, they can't be bothered and they don't want to start sort of questioning what's going on in the textile industry. And they need to do that. What Sarah had said was that she thought part of the reason was because the industry is quite small and fragmented. So it's like HMRC seeing them as tiny little companies and they can't be bothered. But if the retailers were forced to name who they're actually working with, HMRC would have no reason but to follow them up because they'd know who they were and they could check that minimum wage was being paid in these factories. So as well as enforcing more transparency and addressing issues where HMRC aren't looking at where minimum wage is not being paid. The other issue comes from the lack of understanding from buyers when it comes to the cost of manufacturing and how factories work. So whereas back in the day when I was a buyer, we spent a lot of time in factories, more often than, than not, today's buyers have very little experience. They don't have enough time. They don't go into factories and know how the manufacturing process works. And so they place really unrealistic expectations and demands on the owners of these factories. And I can understand how it happens. You know, they're under so much pressure from the top 
They're asked to increase their profits every season. And, you know, you can hardly blame them. A lot of them are really young. They don't understand the industry as well as some of the more senior buyers. And they're the ones that are at the coalface going into the factories and having to do the negotiating. So one solution for that, I think, would be if retailers had to produce open costings. So we've we've seen this start to happen with some independent retailers, online retailers in particular, and manufacturers. So I interviewed James Eden from Private White VC back in episode number two of this podcast, and they've started producing open um, open costings to show to their customer how much it costs and how much everyone in their supply chain is being paid. Wouldn't it be brilliant if some of the retailers started to follow suit on this? So when we look at that Boohoo dress that I mentioned at the beginning, Boohoo did come back with a written statement after the inquiry to give further details of how they were getting to that £5 dress and how they were able to achieve that. And what they said was... That particular dress, it's really simple. It's a really straightforward style. It only takes eight minutes to make. So therefore, they can make seven to eight an hour. Now, if the minimum wage is between seven and eight pounds an hour, that's working out roughly a pound a dress as the CMT cost, so the manufacturing cost of that dress. They then said that they use fabric, which is ends of lines. It would have been stuff they would have chucked away anyway, or that it wouldn't have come to to, um, any use. So they're saying they're using fabric, that they're saying costs them pretty much nothing because they've already written it off and thought they weren't going to use it. Now, that may be true. Wouldn't it be brilliant to see Boohoo breaking down the costs of that dress on their website for all of their customers to educate their customers of how much it costs to make a dress? I would love to see it get to the point where one day retailers all start to deliver open costings on their products. Now, one thing that was clear for this entire inquiry was how much fashion needs to start putting people before profit and that retailers need to start thinking about people and production and that those that do should be celebrated and and applauded. And actually, the report did in some way go towards doing that because they said they had three tiers and they said of all the retailers that they interviewed, who fitted into which tier, who needed to do more work and who were, who were doing well. And ASOS, Burberry, Marks and Spencers, they they did well. And some of the Boohoo Misguided were, were basically got a could do better mark. <laughs> so wouldn't it be good if we could see more retailers scored in this way? I think it might force all of them to do something more um, towards making the fashion industry more sustainable. So in the meantime, I would love to be able to give more UK manufacturers a voice. Like I said, it was such a shame that more of them weren't interviewed for this inquiry. Well, that none of them actually were interviewed and that only one of them had written in a letter. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to commit to reaching out to some of the best UK fashion manufacturers and asking them to come on this podcast and tell their side of the story. Because I think manufacturing ethically in the UK, I know it can be done and I want to be able to prove that. The what, I did do an interview with Jenny Holloway, actually, of Fashion Enter, a couple of weeks ago, and I'll put the link to that in the, in the show notes. And I interviewed her on this podcast. And, you know, she's such a great example. In that interview, she demonstrated how not only can her factory manufacture for ASOS, 
achievably and pay the minimum wage. But they were paying some of their workers, well, they were paying all of their workers above the minimum wage. And some of them were earning more than double the minimum wage. And yet she's still able to supply the high street. So I'm going to get more manufacturers on this podcast to talk about how the UK garment industry works, the good side of it. Let's not just look at those few that flout the rules and how that happens, but let's hear from UK manufacturers and how they are doing some fantastic and some great things. Now, if you're a UK manufacturer listening to this and you want to come on the podcast, please do get in touch. You can email me at kate at makeitbritish.co.uk and I would really love to hear from you. And I'll be back again for another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.